The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. praise you. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause. You've sat on your throne, judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You've blotted out their names forever and ever. 
endless ruin has overtaken the enemy. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the peoples with justice. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in time of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. O Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift up from the gates of death that I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked return to the grave. All the nations that forgot God. But the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. Arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, O Lord. Let the nations know they are but men. Psalm 11 Another Psalm Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord all the times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out. The Lord hears them.
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Psalm 91. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I wish we were all together today in one place. I just lay on my face before the Lord with you and shout my love for him and my praise for him. We serve an awesome God. Jesus is beyond compare. He is magnificent. He is holy. He is glorious. He is worthy of all praise and honor. Psalm 91, who... He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of day, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. There's one verse I want to highlight for you. This is Psalm 91. Verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, because he loves me. Do you remember what the church at Ephesus was rebuked for and threatened with the removal of their menorah? It was because they had lost their first love, not because they had changed their theology. Not because of anything except they'd lost their love for Jesus. 
Oh, I just want to praise him today. Psalm 138, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple, and I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly. But the proud, he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. One more psalm I want to share with you. Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and your glorious splendor, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all of his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on his name, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. 
Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. O Lord, I come today to praise you. I come to worship you. I come to honor your name. You are holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sang. Lord, we come before you today and we say, Holy, holy, holy is the name of the Lord. Almighty God, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Let every person who is listening to this broadcast lift up holy hands before the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. You are awesome. You are majestic. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience, your long-suffering, your kindness. Thank you, Jesus. I just worship you today. Lord, let this broadcast come into the heavenly realm and let it be pleasing. Let it be pleasing to your heart that we love you. And we honor you. For there is none like unto you. Lord, we're so confused because we, we've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we think that somehow we're in charge. Lord, we have grieved your heart so many times. In our arrogance and our stupidity, we've imagined that we can just live our lives however we choose and yet only darkness has come out of that. And by your wonderful mercy through Jesus, you have redeemed us and set our feet on the narrow path and called us to walk in holiness before you, rebuking every sin and all darkness in our hearts. Lord, thank you. I can't praise you enough, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to the name of Jesus. Lord, America is destroying itself from the inside. The family is almost utterly destroyed. The values that this nation was founded upon have been cast down. And every evil thing today is lifted up in our news media, in our social media. Lord, every wicked and perverted thing is praised and honored, and that which is holy is looked upon with scorn. Lord, most families in this nation don't have a mother and father together raising their children. And fathers have been scorned and in no way recognized as the God-appointed leaders of their family. Lord, I just plead today for your mercy for America. 
Lord, we come and we praise you and we honor you and we glorify your name. But we also come asking, would you bring forth revival in this nation? Would you rebuke the wickedness that is flowing in every direction like a geyser? Contaminating. Destroying. Everything its wickedness touches. Oh, Lord. Let there be no casualness in our hearts. Let there be no comfort except you in our spirit, Jesus. So I come today to praise you and worship you and honor you, but I also come asking you for revival in America, for resurrection in America. For, Lord, many have gone so far they can't be revived, they're dead. They need to be resurrected. A whole new change of direction, a whole new change in attitude, a whole new change in priorities. Lord, and many are just rowing their boat down the stream, not realizing that the stream ends up in hell. Walking the broad road. Their whole attention is on how they can prosper themselves. How they can gain an advantage. How they can be politically correct. Oh Lord, forgive us. Would you turn our eyes toward you, Jesus, that we could see your glory and understand your mercy and be transformed and changed by your shed blood. So, Lord, yes, I come with weeping in my spirit for America. But I come with tears of joy because of your greatness and your kindness and your mercy. Lord, I'm asking for your will to be done in this great nation. I'm coming pleading with you for the blood of Jesus to accomplish its work in turning the hearts of men and women away from darkness. You said if you were lifted up, you would draw all men unto yourself. Lord, you have been lifted up, and now you're resurrected, and you sit on high. Lord, draw all men now unto yourself and reestablish America. Lord, I already see your judgments being poured out on this nation, and we're soon going to lose everything that we have treasured, food and shelter. We're going to lose our nation if there's not a dramatic change. I come pleading your blood, Jesus. I come worshiping you and proclaiming your glory and your honor and your majesty, your love, your kindness, your long-suffering. Lord, come, please. I pray in your holy name. Amen. My brother, my sister, America is dying. 
America is dying because of its rebellion against the Judeo-Christian principles that we have utterly cast down. America is dying because we have renounced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. America is dying because every wicked thing is being indulged in. Every perversion is being accepted. Who's going to speak up against the wickedness of the socialism that is being pushed even in our United States Congress? Who is going to stand up and say, enough is enough, stop? If Christians don't do this, and there are about some estimates more than 60 million evangelical Christians in America. Isn't it time for the 60 million people to stand up and say, enough, no more? Isn't it time that you turn off the wicked television and the wicked news stations? CBS, ABC, NBC, MSNBC. Isn't it time you just shut them off? Stop patronizing wickedness. Stop going to stores that promote this whole wicked agenda. I'll be specific. The LGBTQ agenda. And now I add a P to it for pedophile. Isn't it time for Christians to stand up and say, Enough! Stop it! You're ruining our nation! Isn't it time for those 60 million Christians to stand up and say, let's help the homeless, let's help the poor, let's pour out our hearts to help the destitute, let's reestablish what America is all about, where a man can and a woman can work, live with integrity, be productive. Isn't it time? Isn't it time we said to the government, back off? Stop trying to control us. Isn't it time to get off Facebook? Isn't it time to stop the Google? Isn't it time to stop Amazon? Isn't it time for Christians to say, listen, we're not going to participate in this wickedness. It's done. We're over. I look in the book of Revelation. And there, in the book of Revelation, there are seven golden lampstands, or a menorah. And in the midst of the seven lamps is one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band, his head and his hair white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet like fine brass refined in a furnace. Listen, my dear brother and sister, this is not imaginary. This is real. Jesus is real. He is the resurrected Lord. Just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not real. I know today as I sit in this studio that there is a a beautiful beach in Florida, Lauderdale-by-the-Sea. I've been there many times. I can't see it. But in my mind's eye, I can see it. 
it's real. If I were to fly to Florida today to Lauderdale by the sea, I'd stay at the Windjammer Hotel right on the beach. If I were to fly to heaven right now, if that were possible, I would find the throne of God. I would find the golden streets. I'd see the new Jerusalem. It's real. It's not imaginary. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to go there to the very real Jesus Christ? Are we going to live under his authority? It says in verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. Those are the angels, the messengers, the pastors of the seven churches. Out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword. In other words, he's bringing judgment and justice in the church. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. John sees him and his countenance is like the sun shining in its strength and it so terrifies him that he falls at his feet as a dead man. But Jesus lifts him up and says, I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives, was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of Hades and death. The devil doesn't have the keys of hell. Jesus has the keys of hell, and he's going to cast that old serpent into hell soon. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, or menorahs. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, or the menorah, which you saw, are the seven churches. Chapter 2, the message to the church at Ephesus. He goes through everything they've done that's been wonderful, their labor, their patience. And then he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand or your menorah from its place, unless you repent. It's the most terrifying, most terrifying thing to say. To remove the lampstand of a church, the menorah of a church, the lampstand is the advertising. It is, it is the light. It is the fire of God within the church. And almost every church in America today has lost their lampstand, their menorah. They're filled with human flesh fire, filled with entertainment. They're filled with foolishness. They're institutions. The first rule of any institution is that it must survive. And so, the church today has found every way to program entertainment and to meet the fancy of the wicked people who attend. Most who go to church today are not even born again. They're not Christians. There has to be a, a terrible rending in the heart of God's people today because they claim the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
They might even work hard on programming, going to choir rehearsals, preaching, teaching, but with a heart of stone, not loving Jesus. Oh, sentimental love, but I mean the kind of love that's real, that binds a husband and wife together. No real love. No real compassion. Self-centered. Wicked. And Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, look, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand if you don't repent. I've been struggling with this. I've been praying about it. Part of where I'm asking the Lord is, okay, Lord, what causes you to remove the lampstand from a church? And why would not loving you as much cause you to remove the lampstand? Well, it's not loving you as much. It's you've lost your love. You've now become an institutional church. Now you look at the Eucharist as something magical. Now you look at the traditions of men as somehow being a vital import. That wasn't the New Testament church. It was alive. It was vibrant with energy. Every day people were being brought in and being resurrected in the power of the new life in Jesus Christ. They were being crucified with Christ. And a new person was emerging. The old was gone. The new had come. We've lost that today. I know what it is for the lampstand to be removed from the church, and it's the most crushing thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's made me weep before the Lord and repent. Oh, it wasn't just me that caused the lampstand to be removed. The whole church had lost their love for Jesus. Oh, sentimental love, but The spirit of forgiveness was gone. The spirit of understanding was absent. The spirit of compassion, gone. Lampstand removed. The National Prayer Chapel were with no pretense, crying out to God to establish the lampstand amongst us with the fire of God, with the glorious Holy Spirit in full Pentecost power. That's what it's going to take. (laughs) Now, there is a story in Scripture, and I'm going to share part of it today, and then tomorrow we're going to continue it. And it's a story of the lampstand being removed. It's a heartbreaking story. It's one I've never been able to read without weeping over it. The pain is so abject. It is so apparent. It is when everything finally catches up with you 
in how you live. And there seems to be no escape. And death is the consequence. And the lampstand is removed. And God's people are left like sheep without a shepherd, wandering on the hills of Israel. Starts with a precious woman. Her name was Hannah. I love Hannah. Hannah was praying for a child. She was deeply grieved because her husband, Elkanah, had two wives. One was bearing children, and Hannah could not. She was barren. Year after year, she would go up to the tent of meeting in Shiloh, and she would cry out to God to hear her prayer and give her a child. Finally, finally she came to a place where she was willing to submit and give to God what he wanted. Do you understand? Often when our prayers are not answered, it's because we're not asking God for what he wants. He answers the prayers that are according to his will. He answers the prayers and does what he desires for the salvation of men and women. She prays, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forgive your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli, he was the high priest, he watched her. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice could not be heard. She was already beyond tears. She had wept until she was dry. Her voice, she could no longer speak in prayer. Eli thought she was drunk. This is a church with no discernment. It's a church that's about to lose its lampstand because it has no discernment. It thinks that wickedness is normal. thinks that drunkenness is rampant. So Eli says to her, this is in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, verse 14, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. She is heartbroken. Oh, God, send us heartbroken men and women. Lord, send us men and women who will weep before you until they can't weep anymore. Send men and women who will pray for the birthing of Christians, for the birthing of the lost. 
Oh, God. Lord Jesus, send us men and women who will pray, who will be unashamed, and who will cry out before you, even though people call them drunk. But they will cry out and pray until you answer and bring revival. Verse 17, Eli answered. He said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your eyes. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She's gotten her answer. She's taken the word of this wicked high priest. And she's taken it as a promise from God. She's now at peace. She has prayed through. That's the sign of praying through. When finally our heart is utterly at peace and we say, God has heard me and he will do it. This morning I was, I was up early in the prayer closet, prayer walking outside, crying out to the Lord in praise and thanksgiving. I know he has forgiven me of my sin. I know he's washed and cleansed me by his blood. My heart is at peace. But now I'm crying out for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They returned home and she became pregnant. And she conceived and bore a son, and she called him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. I've asked. God has answered. Now Elkanah and all of her household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifices, fulfilling his vows. But Hannah did not go up. For she had said, Not until the child is weaned, then I'll take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Probably age four or five, in that day before a child was fully weaned. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Now Shiloh is the place of meeting. It's where the tent of meeting has been established now for three hundred years. The child was young. They slaughtered a bull, and they brought the child to Eli, 
And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be the Lord's. And they worshipped the Lord there. They worshipped the Lord. Hannah prays this incredible prayer. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. And those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren have borne seven and she who had many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them Inherit the throne of glory? For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And then they went home. But the child remained and ministered to the Lord before the priest Eli. Now we begin to come to the terrible difficulty. Now please let me say this, and please understand what I'm saying. Today in the church, we have become corrupt. And that word corrupt in the Hebrew means like rotten fruit that cannot be eaten. You remember the table of showbread that was in the tabernacle of meeting, the tent of meeting. It was on the right-hand side. These were fresh loaves of bread laid out before the Lord for his food. God's people are his food. And the Lord is saying, the sons of Eli were rotten fruit. They were no longer fit for the Lord. This was just opposite the menorah. 
were the fire and the oil, the gold. It says they did not know the Lord. In other words, they had no intercourse with the Lord. They had no personal knowledge of Jesus, of the Lord of heaven and earth, of the mighty God, Yahweh. They had no personal knowledge of this God. They had utterly rejected knowing him. The priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. He would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the fish hook brought up. They did this in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. But also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give me meat for roasting to the priest. In other words, they didn't want meat that was sodden, cooked in water. They wanted filet mignon. The sons of Eli would not take the meat boiled. They would only take the raw meat with the fat. If the man said to him, let's burn the fat first and then take as much as you want, all that your heart desires, he would answer, no, you must give it to me now. And if you do not give it to me now, I will take it from you by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For they abhorred the offerings of the Lord. That is, they despised the offerings of the Lord. They thought the church was for their advantage. They thought that the meetings were for their pleasure. They didn't understand. How do I even begin to talk about this tragedy? It's what's happened in America and the church. We only have about three minutes left in this broadcast. I'm going to continue this tomorrow. It's about the removal of the menorah. It's about the removal of the lampstand from the church. The lampstand has been removed from the American church. there's going to have to be a radical change. The Holy Spirit's going to come back and dwell in us and bring his fire and bring his revival, bring his glory. I started this broadcast today by singing the praises of God, by worshiping him. He is worthy to be praised, his honor and his glory. He is an awesome God. He is not one to be played with. He is not one to be taunted. He is not one to be ignored. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and our lives are held in his hand. Almighty God, let thy will be done in the church as it is in heaven. 
Let thy will be done in the life of every person listening to this broadcast. Let the menorah be returned to our churches and to our lives. Almighty God, I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to the National Prayer Chapel. Please, would you write to me? If the Holy Spirit prompts you to give, this ministry is a faith ministry. And as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart to give, would you give hilariously unto the Lord? Would you surprise me? As the Holy Spirit directs you, if these messages are vital to you, help me continue. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com and thank you for those who have done this and who have given and the letters that I've been receiving the cards the encouragement thank you my brothers and my sisters I look forward to hearing from you God bless you I love you I'll talk to you soon now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Christ alone.